0: Hey, it's Morgan Beller, general partner at NFX. Welcome to Phone a Friend, a new experiment where we're going to let you listen in on conversations as they happen naturally. To kick things off, I called Ride Khawaja, a close friend and co-founder and CEO of Open, a mindfulness and meditation platform who's raised close to $15 million to help friends be present together. And I'm excited to share this conversation with you. Enjoy.
1: Well, well, well.
0: <laughs> well, well, well. Here we are. We're doing it. Here we
1: are. Is this Morgan Beller?
0: If you can believe it or not. It's Morgan <laughs> Beller, some background noise from the chaos of the office, and probably a barking Josie because there's chicken in sight.
1: There's a chicken in sight? Is that what I heard? Well, is? there's
0: chi- there's chicken. I have There's chicken on a plate inside of the dog.
1: So. I see. I was going for more of a barnyard scene, and you had chickens (laughs) running about.
0: In the middle of Hayes Valley.
1: (laughs) Are you back from your travels?
0: Am I back from my travels? Yeah, so last week we had our founder retreat at a ranch in Point Reyes, which was pretty great, other than the fact that Josie was covered in ticks, which I 12 out of 10 don't recommend. I think I got them all out. And then she got her hair did, and now she looks ridiculous. And then had a wedding in Aspen, which was beautiful. Got back yesterday, still somewhat recovering, hopefully in time for my brother's wedding this weekend.
1: Amazing. Where is that?
0: It's in Portola Valley, just south of the city. And I'm the best man, and I have to write a speech, and it's currently a blank sheet of paper with zero. (laughs) (laughs) There's a
1: lot
0: of responsibility because you have to be funny. Yeah.
1: Lucky for you, you are funny as a default mode. (laughs) So
0: so just make sure words come out of your mouth. Yeah, you asked
1: asked where I am. I am in a familiar place with you and I chatting. I am on the PCH moving south back towards Venice. And it's a beautiful day. It's clear. It's sunny. It's everything L.A. was sold to be.
0: Well, this is goddamn perfect because, well, we're experimenting with this whole phone a friend thing, but the idea is that we're just in our natural places, in our natural states, doing our natural thing. We're just calling each other and some of... My most insightful moments have come from calls that you've made to me driving up and down the PCH over the past three years of COVID, so I have no I, reason to believe this will be any different.
1: <laughs> I agree, and I, I reflect that right back at you.
0: For once, yes. I'm not walking because I was scared of sirens and too much noise in the background, but, but we'll see.
1: How's Hayes Valley these days?
0: Well, I'm not sure if you heard that it's now Cerebral Valley. We <laughs> one of the first things I did when joining NFX. Like almost three years ago, it was like we're getting the fuck out of Selma. And of a hellscape. But the rest of San Francisco in many ways is better than it was pre-COVID and that it's the first time I think people are intentionally choosing to live here versus just being here by proxy for a job. I know we've lost some great ones like yourself, but some people have stayed. And we started outdoor dining 364 days a year. There so you go. wanted us to be in a residential neighborhood. We landed on Hayes, kind of in the center of the city. And then I'd like to take credit for what it has become, but honestly, just by luck, it's now Cerebral Valley, whatever that means. I think it means that there's like AI companies popping up everywhere. Is it
1: called Cerebral Valley? Is that a thing?
0: Oh, it's a thing, ride. You're so out of it.
1: I'm so out of it. So (laughs) Hayes Valley is the midbrain to San Francisco now. Is that?
0: (laughs) Correct. Correct. Yeah, it's called Cerebral Valley. Like, you literally will walk down the street and you see people, like, hacking in garages, which is how it used to be before I can even remember. I mean, I wasn't here for any of that. And, like, all the telephone poles are covered in flyers and posters for hackathons and happy hours. And there are these really weird cats in, like, the center courtyard park thing by uh, Ritual Coffee. And it feels pretty alive, relatively. Wow. Relatively so it's alive. So the
1: center. I hear you.
0: And then you know, our office I- hopefully the center of that, but we're working on it. I've been wanting people I, to work from here, so we've been hosting these like AI happy hours and last, like 10 days ago, we experimented with open office hours where anyone, we were like, hey, anyone on the internet who's working on an AI company come work from our office. And that was kind of a dream, with getting a space bigger than what we needed. And then I walked into the office that night and on one hand, that was my dream come true because it was packed, but on the other hand, I'm like, holy shit, this feels like Project X. You know the movie Project X when the parents come home and it's just, yeah. it was trash. There was someone much <laughs> on my desk, I kind of like an invasion of my personal space. The refrigerator <laughs> was empty. There were beer bottles everywhere. So we're figuring out what the happy medium is, but net positive.
1: Yeah. Acquisition check, retention and quality. That's what we're working on next. Okay. You're in the center of it. You've created the center of it. Congratulations. No, no, i lucked
0: right. out. Free no no surprise.
1: Milk. Cerebral Valley, smack dab in the center of Cerebral Valley. You know, it's interesting, the center of the brain, I, right there, somewhere in the middle, I recently learned that there's these like two clusters of nerve cells that exist that basically decide whether you're going to act with courage or whether you're going to act with fear. And they happen to be just smack dab next to each other. So I thought I'd just tell I didn't you that. learn
0: that as scientifically, but I had a meditation experience recently. and they were just- Did
1: you just put air quotes while you said that?
0: Yeah, I had, just- I had a journey. I, I'll put air quotes <laughs> around journey, but I had an experience recently where the guide, who was wonderful, there was going to be a full day session and they gave some meditation principles in the opening remarks and one of the principles that they went over was the concept of fear and how fear is something I'm going to use way less eloquent words to describe it, but that fear is usually is something that most people see and never do anything with, but that on the other side mm. of fear is something exciting. Like if you can like think what it would feel like to get on the other side of whatever that thing is that you fear.
1: Yeah. and uh, that
0: fear and excitement, I think of excitement, like actually are very similar energies. I'm putting energies in air quotes. But that, well,
1: but emotions maybe boil down to the same emotions. Yeah. And the body it has a similar physiological, Well, the response is up to you. But if you look at what's happening physiologically, that, yeah. So now you're saying that
0: that's, there's actual science
1: there. Oh yeah. I mean, well, that's funny. I you say actual science and then we talk about, you know, ancient wisdom and actual science and what's observable versus what we're referring. It's all fun stuff, but yeah, fear. I used to think it was a useless emotion. A young, brash Riz and said, "Fear, that's useless." It's actually pretty useful, I guess, though. You know, that so? get, gets you out of gets you out of some precarious situations, right? Sometimes you do need to just run, like, but not always. It can be confusing. It can be confusing for the nervous system. It can be confusing for those nerve cells to really decide whether to react or respond in a way that's bold or a way that's calm all stuff that you can train and be better equipped for though you said you were going to ask me a better question
0: well that kind of this is kind of like a segue so as you know i've been in crypto land for the better part of the past six years and it's been fun in there you know some good times and bad times but um <laughs> i've been thinking about like, is there anything else that interests me and it hasn't even been as much as like a passive question as it's been like an active realization that there is this like whole other area that interests me for which I have a lot to thank you for because we talked about this a few weeks ago but I did not meditate I didn't know what a sound bath was I didn't know what breath work was other than like breathing and with no disrespect (laughs) because I've learned like I thought it was all hocus pocus. And then you introduced me to this world in a way that was very understandable for me, or at least it pulled me in, in a way that made me trust and believe that, quote, this was real and my life has changed for the better. And I feel like I'm zero one percent of the way of understanding what this is. And then that's kind of like been coinciding with this question, which, or riddle, which might not have an answer, but realizing that three of the biggest businesses of all time for mankind's history, have been, and women kind's of history, person kinds, I don't know what you're supposed to say, have been cigarettes, alcohol, and religion. And that Gen Z is kind of out for all three. A lot of people I know are also out for all three by the traditional definitions of it. But despite that fact being the case, the part of the human brain, to bring this back to the brain, that made those industries so big is still there. So, what's going to replace that? And then, like, feeling and seeing all the change that as introduced to my life through like your practices and methods. I'm like, well, wouldn't that be great <laughs> if all these things become more yeah. mainstream. Mainstream I just put in air quotes too. And I know are <laughs> talking about this. I don't really know what my question is, but
1: like more of a prompt. I yeah. Talk about that.
0: yeah, more of
1: a prompt. Yeah. We've talked about this here and there, I feel like, in a maybe even less structured way. But yeah, I mean, the you mentioned religions. I call mm-hmm. them the OG well being brands, right? Nobody did okay. community and practice better than them. You have literal physical spaces where people gather and commune and practice all sorts. But these modalities are not foreign to a lot of those institutions either, right? You mentioned it as movement, and breathing, uh, acoustic environment, sound. These are very much long-held traditions. And it's interesting that you mentioned things like cigarettes and alcohol as well, right? It's like folks are Reaching for alcohol. What's really going on there as a depressant? What's happening to your nervous system? If that's the desired result, does it have to come with all the chemical waste and byproduct that comes with consuming alcohol? Or can you, you know, downregulate your nervous system maybe in really definitive and purposeful ways? Smoking cigarettes. That's one form of breath work. It is conscious controlled breathing in a way, but there's a stimulant there. There's a focus thing happening there. There's an appetite thing happening there. So yeah, I think if you break down all these things to their atomic levels, then you can explore much more potent, much healthier ways of going about basically practicing towards your well-being or being able to engage with your life or reality, however heady you want to get with it in a way that feels really sustaining, really meaningful, really purposeful, right? So yeah, no, I'm there with you. How do we do it?
0: I was thinking, I mean, Christianity has, like, a pretty big common denominator. A lot of people were and still are, like, on that train. And, like, as I think about, like, these experiences that I've had, part of the magic has been that they've been in person, you know, breathwork at the open studio, for example. Yep. And in small-ish groups. And also feels, like, still branded in some, like, negative way as, like, you know, quote, woo Like, we... I won't name this person by name, but there's someone who I like, work with and respect a lot who has a lot of PhDs and a lot, a lot PhD. of... A lot, a, lot a lot of, of letters. A lot of letters. Yeah. A lot of letters and a lot of the science stuff to bring this back to the science topic.
1: Yeah, science. And, I have the air quotes science, like, here,
0: yeah. <laughs> I mean, science is... Science. I'm all in on science, but... It's yeah. observing
1: truth, right? And there's a few means to do that. Exactly. Yeah, but keep going.
0: Well, I was explaining this like, sound experience that I had, and he clearly was just instantly dismissive of the whole thing and mm-hmm. was like, you know, to the hocus pocus comment was like, absolutely not. Like there's, that's not science. Like I don't believe any of that shit. And I'm going to get to my point, but I was like listening to some podcast recently about like what's perceived to be legitimate is correlated with what is published in journals like nature, science, et cetera. And what's published is objective as far as the results, but somewhat subjective based on the topics that the editors want to see. And there's or a the question asked, as, right. or the questions to ask, right. And there's this hypothesis that as like the current generation of editors will be retiring, the next generation who are more, you know, millennials will usher in a desire to see, you know, double blind science back studies for holotropic breathing and sound work and other things like that. So where I'm going with this is like a few areas. One, how does it all become this in air quotes become mainstream, which has ancillary questions, including like religion was Silent into different religions, right? like Muslim, Christianity, Judaism, how big can the And many of more, and many these... more. Shout out man, to all many, the great re- re-
1: religions. Yes, yes.
0: Yes, thank you. <laughs> right. Shout out to yeah, many more. Long tail. There's a long tail of <laughs> great religions out there. But
1: many, there many great institutions. Mass. Many yep. great
0: institutions. Do we think that there can be a like, critical mass around some of these Experience is a really good product. And then, like, the other part of it is, like, how do we destigmatize the negative connotations associated with woo woo and, like, with the branding of some of these practices? Yeah, maybe we can
1: talk about it together. I can answer them, but I think we should jam on these together. The first yes, thing yeah. that came to mind as you talked about it well, there's two things that came to mind immediately, and then maybe you can riff with me on some more. But, you know, part of where that woo woo, hocus pocus, riffraff comes from and a lot of those objections are honestly from really the well-rooted places in that people have mm-hmm. come into contact with a lot of these modalities that can be very efficacious with context that is not legitimate or people have sprinkled in their own interpretation of a modality or a practice and they've kind of bent it to their own belief system. And so they kind of almost muddied the waters for the underlying thing that's really valuable and efficacious, if that makes sense, right? And so mm-hmm. I think j- just starting from a place where some of that rejection comes from, I just had to name that there's a lot of trash out there, frankly, right? And if you just I say breath work, yeah, I, I mean, with quality, so the two things that came to mind immediately were quality and the other one was storytelling. Right? And so there's many means where you can deliver these practices, right? Opens exploring the idea of delivering these practices through experiences both on and offline as an example, right? It's pretty general, but just to name that, you know, you could be consuming this through more traditional healthcare. You could be consuming this not through commercial means, but through community and friends, whatever it may be, right? But whatever the delivery mechanism, having high-quality experiences that are vetted both science-backed as well as a really studied interdisciplinary understanding of these practices and their roots from various different places and then distilling and curating those to a point where the end user has something of very high quality can really start to address those who are skeptical, right? Because ultimately once they come in contact with the experience, you know, you can justify things later through whatever means of credibility is most valuable for people. But when people actually feel different and they come, on, come into contact with these quality experiences, it's hard to argue with, right? And you saw that probably in a lot of the experiences that you've come to open, right? The other one is storytelling, and that's why I've been really fascinated about the role Brands can play, and notice I say brand uh, open is not meant to be the panacea here, but hopefully there's many brands that emerge that are attempting to answer the question that or the prompt, I guess, that you just put forth, and hopefully they're all going through a really rigorous, you know, pro- call it a product development or design process to come up with experiences that are really worthwhile for people. And if they do so, how they position those practices is really where the storytelling comes in, right? How do you get people actually to do the thing? We have no insecurity about these modalities and whether or not they're worthwhile. (laughs) But how do you actually convince somebody to come to the studio, to download the app, to learn a technique and do so on their own in a repeated way. That's the art of, you know, call it marketing, call it seduction, call it storytelling, call it positioning, whatever you want to call it, It's probably all of those things, right? How do you really get people inspired to actually do the thing? And then how do you make it easy for them to be able to access that? I think these are the themes that we would have to explore To and I'll use the word use to make these practices mainstream.
0: And what do you think is like the biggest uphill battle there? Cause I was- you kindly let us co-host something in your perfect space a few weeks ago and i invited a lot of people to this like breath and sound class who were previously skeptical and used they go reactions i think we had like, when you were there i think like, we had like what five plus people cry like a former colleague who has never done anything close to this. Was like holy shit. Like this was ten times even crazier <laughs> in a positive yeah. way than like you had described. And one of our founders was like this. Is, I had twenty times I think was what you said the experience that I have. You know, quote just like, more more air quotes less air quotes meditating. And like I walked away with this like thinking to myself like you know breathing is believing. Sort of like seeing is believing. And I don't know what your conversion rate is or what the conversion rate is for like, breath work generally, like, you can't deny that your body is feeling these things, that your brain is talking to you in different ways, and I guess, like, the science, as you've been saying, but getting people in the door required some, like, peer pressure in some cases <laughs> you trust in others, but then once yeah. people are there, they're like, holy, like, you can't, it's, like, smash you in the face, like, how do we get people there, which I know is, like, one of the big questions you're asking, and then related to that is, like, how do you scale the magic? I think your app is doing as good of a job as anyone, if not better than anyone, at making you feel present and in the room with other people, even if you're sitting by yourself on your couch at home.
1: Yeah, but there's something yeah, I think,
0: extra special about being in person. Um, yeah,
1: I mean that's one thing to name. I mean, just let I me mean, starting in reverse. order. often I see designers trying to recreate something one for one that's happening in a different environment that you know, an environment that has different constraints. Right. I think. You got to look at the constraints as opportunities. You have to look at the Mm -hmm. constraints as, okay, in this environment, what's possible that's not possible in the other environment? And how do we design for the best possible experience and the most relevant experience for this context, right? So somebody who's on the go, who needs five minutes, it's a very different context than somebody who's coming with a friend, getting in their car for 10 minutes, parking down the street and spending an hour at the studio and grabbing food Mm -hmm. afterward. right? It's a very different context than somebody who has committed to go on a retreat for a day, two days, three days. So, you know, one of the things is just to embrace the reality of that and to design to that end. Right. The other piece
0: you were talking about. I won't let you the other piece, but of like yeah, like designing to
1: that. I'm not gonna forget. You have my complete undivided attention here. I'm just driving aim aimlessly <laughs> at this point, right?
0: Okay, On I'm autopilot. Yeah.
1: I actually have I like, when
0: you that. say that and like your brain is so much more creative than mine where I'm like, Yeah, conceptually totally with you, but like what's it? What does that mean? Or what's like a tangible example of that?
1: What that means is, you know, let's play out the digital versus in-person class example. Mm -hmm. So, digitally, I can be in your ear with AirPods. I can design an acoustic experience that leverages binaural audio. I can design an acoustic experience that's highly detailed and meeting you, you know, on your left ear and your right ear versus amplified sound in a studio with speakers yeah. hanging from the ceiling, right? As those are just, right? It's nuanced, but it's, it's, it really changes how you would design the experience. Maybe something more practical. In the studio environment, you have people breathing with you. Let's say you're doing, you know, 20 to 30 minutes of a breathing exercise, and that feels really supportive. You have 20 to 30 people breathing with you, and it creates a totally different type of experience. And sometimes people have trouble going as deep as they might go if they were on their own at home. And we've seen that. We've talked to plenty of users that say, Hey, I was really intimidated being in the environment. I really didn't feel like I could, you know, lean into the experience because yeah. oh a car almost just hit me, by the way. Well that's,
0: anyway, that's not funny.
1: N- notice notice I the car see. almost hit me. I didn't hit it. Um, right, yeah. So, yeah, you just play off those things, right? And you say, okay, well, I have this person at home in their individual experience versus in a space where the guide needs to lead 30 different people through an experience. It's just a really different thing.
0: Right. And there was a second point you were going to make before I interrupted you. Well, you talked about activation
1: energy, right? You said, hey, mm-hmm. how do you actually get people to the experience? Okay. If the experiential knowledge is a big unlock and... We just need to have people arrive at that experience in the first place. And I think you have the same problem any product or service has where you need to get people in and you need to get them to try it, right? And you do whatever you can to make that easy and possible for people. You mentioned that, you know, you have to refer your friend really actively. (laughs) <laughs> to be able to come. How are we enabling the referrer? What are we armoring, arming the referrer with in terms of language, in terms of incentive, in terms of literal hyperlink <laughs> to make it easy for people to share the experience and invite them in. But more broadly, and maybe more on a meta level, you have to create access through distribution, right? And so you can't get around the fact that if you're naming that the digital experience is just inherently different than the physical experience that you can have, then you have to find a way to scale the physical experience. We wouldn't be the first to you know, scale, you know, physical locations all over the world, not from a commercial sense and certainly not from a more spiritual context either. So the underpinning is a consistent perspective on the content, right? And how do you scale the content? And again, that's Mm -hmm. been done in various contexts as well. None of it's easy, but it's all been done before.
0: It's all been done before as far as market size. Just I'm paid to think about that sometimes. You're like, wow, the market has every motherfucker in the world. Just how do you wake them up to that? Not as easy to quantify. I know Bhutan is like the gross national happiness score, whatever they call it.
1: And whatever it is that was on the other side of that rainbow is achievable through those means. Like, what do you think are like the lowest
0: hanging, common denominators for like a large group of people, so, like the gateway drug, for lack of a better?
1: Oh, okay. Are we looking for the gateway drug or are we looking for the lowest common denominator? Because it's hard to argue, you know, one over the other when you Mm -hmm. start talking about, you know, everything from nutrition to physical and emotional fitness. uh, Well, I guess, yeah, what do you think is,
0: like, the gateway drug for, like, a larger group of people? Like, I was in L.A. a few weeks ago, as you know. I was, hanging out with you and I was hanging out with other people as well. And we were talking about how there's this service for... Beverly Hills schools where parents can like go online the night before and order their kids hot lunches, like, you know, like kale Caesar salad and green juice and stuff like that. And like, how awesome is that? And there was someone else sitting around the table who was not from Beverly Hills and was like, you guys are fucking ridiculous. Like that's obviously not an actual (laughs) mainstream business. And that led us to looking up Lunchables because he's like, Lunchables is what most kids eat at school. And we found some facts online Someone can fact check me. I didn't fully fact check this, but it said that 49.7 million Americans bought Lunchables in like 2021, I think. So that, I know it's, it's unique. That's unique. It's a, wow. it's a, it's unique. a lot. But I think it was like statist.com or whatever the stats website just told me. So, that's it's a lot. But regardless of if, if it's that or if it's even half of that, let's say 25 million, it's like be really conservative. People bought yes. Lunchables. You realize that the majority of the market is people who are buying Lunchables. And that's why, and Lunchables are delicious. Yeah. Let me run with that. Yeah. So speaking to someone else. Sh-
1: shout out to anybody what? who's eating Lunchables, Lunchables right well. now.
0: Shout out. Yeah, to Lunchables also. But, <laughs> Although I'm sure they actually horrible for you. But I uh, was speaking to someone else broadly about this topic of inner space was like, Morgan, like you're not new at this, but there's been research going on about this for thirty years. Like everyone's doing this already. I'm like, Yeah, everyone's doing this in like this like, the proverbial like, we could using this too much, I. in Beverly Hills and Mill Valley in San Francisco and Hudson Valley, but like the lunchables market isn't doing this at the same scale. So to ask the question differently, is, yeah, what do you think the gateway drugs to inner space the Lunchables market are, or exploring inner space.
1: I really want to be on the side of having people realize that it's got to be multi-modality and that you have to take a holistic approach to understanding this conversation. And so if you had to pin me down on one thing, then I would say it's, you know, you got to start with the control center <laughs> and however you can get to the control center, call it your mind or your brain. Some people are able to access better well-being in the control center by doing physical exercise. Mm-hmm. But to the extent you can get people to do meditation and breath work and faster, sustained attention and nervous system regulation, then the downstream effects are you know, better decision making, more motivation. Right. Like you it's just mastering the control center. And whatever your waiting to that, that could be swimming, that could be running. You can start observing your breath and then coming coming in and out. Uh, you can have your mouth shut while doing it, while running. Like right, there's so many ways that you could break that down. But that is the gateway and and that's why I think modalities like breath work that are so immediate, they're mm-hmm. immediately shifting your state. Your emotional state, your physical state, your ner- through your nervous system. I think those can be so powerful and can really wake people up to the reality of what you can feel like yes. when you have more balance, right? I guess you force me to answer it with one thing eventually, but I do want to make sure that I'm putting out there that you know you have to take a. It's, not one, it's, it's not, not one
0: size fits all.
1: It's not one size fits all. It's for different people. One you one know, size- some people wake up with crippling anxiety. Mm-hmm. You know, if you prescribe that person active breath work in the morning, that's not going to go over very well. <laughs> And some people wake up groggy and, you know, can't open their eyes. And so, yeah, maybe a a little bit more active breath work might get them going, right? And so you have to embrace those realities and understand that. But I think there's one thing to train. it's, It's the ability to sustain your attention. That's the thing that's crippled most by the rise of information age and the inundation of so much sensory overload and technology and information overload.
0: In the beginning, I guess like an hour ago, And then let me know. I'm not, when you stop driving, let me know. But you referenced that, like one of the issues as far as like adoption is that there is, there's like shit we need to clean down and that there's like some people poisoning the will. Cause like not all things like woo woo has negative brand connotation for things that are positive and woo-woo has negative brand connotation for things that are negative. So I'm curious of what you think are the, like, who is poisoning the well the most?
1: I'll start by or saying what are a some lot-
0: things that are, not, I don't want to make you enemies, but like, what are yeah. some things that people should be careful of?
1: Yeah, I want to start by saying it's often very well-meaning people who I've seen time and time again have been really struck by the practice or practices or ways of living or modalities that are really, you know, potent, you know, what a beautiful thing they want to bring that to other people. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's really profound. And it comes from a really often from a really sincere place and a really beautiful place. So I want to name that first because I don't want to you know, spread negativity on the matter of anyone who's really trying to put good out in the world. But what we keep coming back to in this conversation is this inkling, uh, this very strong inkling that the next wave of community that gathers around this thread that we keep getting at of these modalities and these practices and these ways of living, that the next wave of it is going to look a little different and I think that that next wave is stripping away, you know, really pushing forth certain spiritual beliefs, but rather presenting these things that are really impactful for people in a way that feels unbundled from mm-hmm. from that context. Yeah. I think you and believe that I, too, At, very right? I very much believe
0: that. I mean, you I that, led me to, you led the horse to the water here, but yeah, there's something, like I went to this Future of Mental Health Unconference a few weeks ago and it felt like things were both so early and imminent and like the research that's coming out and the way people are talking about things. Yeah,
1: I think that comes back to, yeah, I guess early is a, a thing to analyze, right? Is it early from a commercialization standpoint? Is it early from a market adoption standpoint? Is it early from a you know, who's around the table and working on this, you know, I've been in this space not that long, you know, professionally, but I've been around long enough to see how resources are being allocated and how Mm -hmm. thematically, you know, what private capital swims to uh, based on, Mm -hmm. you know, the latest craze and what we believe there could be the most return on investment. This AI thing is apparently a thing. I don't know. It's, you I don't, know, know, it's, it's, it, I don't <laughs> No, but it's funny, you know, you're watching the fervor and, it's tremendous for all sorts of reasons. I think a lot of people have positive for all, all, all sorts of reasons. Who cares in terms of the judgment of it? But the thing I'm trying to highlight is look at the amount of resources that are being flushed towards this thing. Right. Uh, you know, like it feels like it. overnight in the scheme of things. Right. Look at that. I mean, we, we've we talked about even crypto and you know, look at the amount of resources that have come in and out of that based on the realities of the value. Yeah, right. And so, you know, I've raised venture for what I'm working on. I can't tell you how often I've heard questions around, you just said the TAM was maybe everybody. And then I've had conversations where, you know, the venture community is trying to analyze and understand what is a market opportunity for, you know, well-being practices like the ones that we're talking right. about right now. And well, they're looking at charts amazing. and they're looking at market comps, you know, that they're maybe oversimplifying yeah. and looking at, you know, yeah, like
0: medita-
1: meditation app. Yeah. Like it's easy until the breakout happens and then. You know you don't see the breakout coming that's kind of the nature of the breakout right but i do think there's a bit of a chicken and egg happening here in terms of resources going into this conversation and i don't you know i think the conversation spans everything from what we're t- calling tr- quote and i i'm busting out their quotes now is traditional health care to you know call it consumer well-being if that's the spectrum that mm-hmm. we want to lay out right and i think it's just really interesting to see how resources are being allocated in response to the themes that we're talking about.
0: One last question before I have to get on the pitch, which I'm sure will be wonderful, but I really don't know what, I mean. what is something that you're just obsessed with right now that you don't think I'm aware of? Like something that you can't stop talking about thinking about because, you know, five, six years ago, that was meditation and breath work. I wish I listened sooner than I did, but we're here now. What's the next thing that.
1: What's the know? next I thing. Jumping on?
0: Or what's something that you're obsessed with right now, like, you think would
1: be well, nice I've, been, to me. I've been doing it for a long time, but I'm obsessed with it again. That have you ever done death meditations? Death
0: meditations?
1: Yeah, death meditation. I cannot say that I have. Yeah. So I mean there's many ways to go about it, but the basic premise is to contemplate and embrace the very definite reality that you're gonna die and it's Mm. actually a great morning practice believe it or not
0: i can send you one my cousin has turned me like turned me on. well didn't turn me on to it because i haven't done it but made me aware of like the mere death experience youtube before the netflix show came out which sounds similar yeah i don't know if you've gone down yeah
1: it's a really simple set of like you know and again there's a couple different scripts you can go through with it but it's really just a set of prompts to meditate on, you know, meditate on the fact that you're gonna die one day and that you don't know how you're gonna die and your body can't save you in that moment, you know, your friends, your family can't save you in that moment. And, you know, there's just a series of things that you would meditate on. And, you know, there's just nothing as profound as to, you know, embrace how finite this version of our (laughs) existence really is. And it can be really inspiring way to start your day and think about what it is you want to do and how you want to live that day.
0: Well, on that positive note of being happy and at peace with our ultimate death, I love you a lot. Thanks for hanging out with me.
1: Yeah, I love you more. Call me anytime I'm driving.
0: I'm going to definitely be calling you more when you're driving. And please, your eyes on the road.
1: Okay. Talk soon. Miss you. Miss you too.
0: Bye. Bye.
1: Subscribe and stay tuned for more Phone a Friend with Morgan Beller. Created by NFX.